Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Psalm, uh, Psalms chapter 9. And uh, we're going to be going uh, from there this week, actually going to be reading the first couple verses is where we'll be kind of camping out today. Uh, number one, I'd like to say uh, thank you to Thomas uh, for uh, handling last week, taking care of last Sunday. Uh, it's been an adventure of a couple weeks, and uh, he did a fantastic job. So Thomas, thank you so much as we looked at uh, Psalm chapter 3. And as we're getting ready to read the first couple verses of Psalm chapter 9 today, one of the things that we need to, that kind of stood out to me as I was reading the two chapters that we are looking at, you know, Psalm 3 and then Psalm 9, is Thomas covered and looked at how David kind of responded to when things weren't going necessarily uh, going well in his life. Uh, we, there, was a, there was a lot of trouble. There was a family situation. Uh, his son was coming after him, trying to uh, kill him. Uh, he was overthrown, and he was scared, and he was on the run. And we learned some lessons as to how David kind of wound up uh, dealing with and focusing on God through that process because we saw the problem first that David wrote about, and then we kind of see where David lands. And we're only going to be reading the first two verses of Psalm 9 today, but I want us to, under, to see a little bit of how a little, the, the way that he presents it has shifted here. Because in this passage, there's still trouble. We don't know exactly what David is facing 100%, but the trouble comes after this as we look at Psalm chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Let's pray this morning. God, we are uh, just so thankful uh, to be able to call you Father, just to be able to be here to, uh, to worship you, to sing to you, to lift up your name. God, as we uh, have read your word and now as we begin to examine it a little bit more closely, I pray that you open all of our hearts and our ears and our minds to understand the words and the message that you want uh, us to take away from this today. God, I pray for me this morning that you would speak through me. Holy Spirit, as I ask frequently, please use my voice to speak your truth and remove me as much as possible. In Jesus' name, amen. So just as last summer that we did with the summer of the Psalms that we did, we took kind of a one-word theme, and we went through chapters or sections and portions of chapters. And last week was Psalm 3, and that was kind of the 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 theme of arise, with God arising within us and our focus and what we're concentrating on and what we're building on in the midst of difficult times. And this week, I would like for us to spend the rest of the morning 
around the theme of this one word of thankful, of being thankful. Now, it would, I would like to think, would really like to think that being thankful to God and worshiping Him properly would come naturally to us. It would just be something that we find ourselves doing without hindrance, that we find ourselves doing without any type of resistance or detachment. But the reality is, is that is true of absolutely zero of us because of a thing called sin and this, this opposition that we have of the flesh. And what that does is sin causes a chasm between us and God. And I think what we see David presenting here to us, just in these first two verses, is how to be thankful and how to worship God properly. Now the first step, make no mistake, is not found in these two verses that we just read. In order to be truly thankful to God and to worship Him properly and rightly, you need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's no other way to the Father. He is the one, the only way through the cross, through the resurrection, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you're in here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, take today and make that decision. Matter of fact, don't even wait till the end of my message. Interrupt me and come up here. Make that choice because that's going to be more important than anything that I say to you for the rest of this time. That sin is keeping you from being truly thankful, truly grateful, and worshiping God the way that He deserves. If you are in here and you do know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then good. Step one, because that's where the victory is found. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. But we still deal with this thing called the flesh. It kind of gets in our way and kind of, uh, well, it can discourage it, can it not? Things go wrong in life. Things begin to play out a little bit differently than what you thought that life was going to do. Uh, the job that you thought that you were going to get or that you needed or that God had in store for you and opened up for you, something happens there and that's no longer where you find yourself. Maybe that relationship that you were, you were just convinced was of God turns out not to be. Maybe it's a family thing. Maybe it's a friend thing. Maybe, maybe it's a church thing. You see, it's all of these factors, these distractions, as Jonathan was talking about, these things that take our focus off of God. That's what hinders us from truly being thankful, truly worshiping God. Now, David presents us with four truths, I believe, here in this passage that we read. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, as we go through this passage and this message this morning, I'm going to be hitting a lot of Scripture. There's going to be a lot of, of referencing to different Scriptures. They'll all be up here on the screen. Uh, but if you're a note taker, go ahead, do some hand stretches, palm, whatever you do with your fingers there. If you want to do it digitally, on FCCGrayson.com, under message notes, all of these images will be up there. Uh, and if you really, if you feel like you've got your gospel track shoes on this morning, 
You know, one of these days I'm going to say something I'm not going to have to point. You can follow along in your Bible. But let's look at these four things. Because I believe that David presents us with four things that we can do to truly be thankful and to truly worship God the right way. And the first one was we find in, cha- in verse 1. Give thanks to God. Just give thanks to God. I didn't say any of these were going to be deep, okay? I didn't say any of these were going to blow your mind. And you know what? Usually the simplest things are the most profound things in a believer's life. Because we, we, t- we kind of tend to try to search for these depths and these, I've got to have this revelation that no one's ever had before. You know, I've got to uncover that nugget that's never been uncovered. When sometimes, most of the time, that's just not the case at all. Give thanks to God. How many of you have dealt with difficulty or hardship or some type of pain this week? Okay, there was three Thomas, you did a really good job last Sunday, man. We're going to have to talk this week how you did that. Right? I'm pretty sure that all of us went through something this past week, and if it wasn't this week, guarantee it was the week before that. This one, one phrase kept going through my mind this week as I was praying, as I was studying, and as I was kind of researching this passage here. Vision will give purpose to your pain. Having a vision in your life from God of His purpose for you, His plan for you, His calling for you, that vision will give you purpose to endure the painful situations that we go through in our life. That's what drives us. It's what motivates us. That thing of knowing that there has got to be something on the other side of this. And I don't know about you, but most of the time, when I go, let's use the mountain metaphor here. We've all climbed spiritual mountains and and mountains in our lives that we have to climb and that we have to go over. Okay, I'm not going to make a Miley Cyrus reference here. Okay. I refuse. Because, Rachel, it is about the climb, though. It really is. Okay, anyhow. Whenever you get to the other side of the mountain and you kind of begin to look back on that trial or that test or that situation that you go through, it's true in my life that most of the time I look back and that mountain doesn't look nearly as large on the other side of it as what it does when I'm standing at the base of it. But know that one of the things that's going to help us climb mountains in our lives, get over obstacles and hurdles and situations and circumstances that we all face on a daily basis, one of the things that's going to help us do that is being thankful to God for everything that he's done for us. We're we're instructed to do this in so many places in Scripture, but just a couple of them I've got up here on the, the board for you. Psalm 104. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. The next is in Psalm 136 when it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. 
Then if you go to the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 8, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How many things is everything? Everything. Is that easy? This means yes. This means no. Is that easy? No, it's not. So that tells me this morning that our thankfulness is a choice. Thankfulness to God is a choice that we make. Because if you're here and you are a believer, if you're here and you are a Christian, guess what? You will never lack for something to be thankful for. Because Jesus Christ coming and dying for you, saving you, no matter how bad your circumstances are, no matter how bad life is for you, the fact that the grace of Jesus Christ has been extended to you and he has saved you is something to be thankful for. But in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Be thankful. Give thanks to God. And you know, one of the things that I've done that I've always tried to make as a little bit of a discipline in my life is I, I remember one time early, early on, in, in mine and Kim's marriage, we were sitting around. It's still, it, it was when you still wrote checks for all of your bills. Does anybody remember that when you sent out the carrier pigeon with it? You know, I mean, it's, you wrote out the check, you actually put it back in the envelope, and hopefully the company you were paying sent that self-addressed stamped envelope, and you were able to send it back and it not cost you even more. But I remember sitting around the table writing checks going, okay, we're going to have to figure out the timing of these. Because if we send them all at once, it's not going to be in the bank to do it. But I remember being frustrated, and I remember just almost wanting to throw my hands up in the air and quit and just say, I'm done. And I remember my wife reaching across the table, taking me by both hands, and just didn't even say anything about, hey, we're going to pray. So I was caught off guard. Jesus didn't hear the first couple words of the prayer because I was looking up. Okay. She grabbed my hands and she went, God, thank you that we have these bills to pay. God, thank you that we have electricity. God, thank you that we have running water. God, thank you that we have food and that we're not going hungry. Thank you that we have a roof over our head. Something, something changed, man. Something just shifted right then. Now, more money didn't show up in the bank. I tried to call Jack, and he wouldn't answer my call. It, none, none, of, none of that money didn't show up. It didn't magically appear. But there was something that happened there. There was an atmosphere that shifted, and it was thankfulness. Be thankful to God. The second thing that we see David instructing us to do is to tell others about God. 
He says there in verse 1 again, he says, I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Tell other people about God. It's pretty much the statement. Tell other people about God. If you have, if you feel like at the end of the day that you should get bonus points because you actually talked to someone about Jesus that day, you may want to revisit your priority in conversations. Tell other people about God. You've got something to be thankful for. If you know Jesus Christ, you have something to be thankful for. And not only should you be thankful for it, you should be telling other people about it. And that's what David is saying. He's facing this terrible situation. If you'll go on and read, he's talking about the nation's going to be destroyed. He's talking about God's judgment coming upon them. He's got some heavy stuff that he's talking about here. But the first thing he says, listen, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to tell other people about him. You see, I think that we can get so consumed with things that we're not happy with going on around us that they become what we talk about always and forever. And we lose the sight that Jesus needs to be our focus. Jesus needs to be our topic of conversation, not what's going on that we don't like, not what's happening that, that we're against or that we're not for, not anything like that. It should be the goodness of Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel that all mankind is eligible for, whether you like them or not. Tell others about God. The third thing found in verse 2 is be joyful in God. Just be joyful in your relationship with God. Verse 2, I will be glad and exult in you. One of my biggest struggles is that my joy is oftentimes found in my external circumstances. My joy is, is determined by what's happening around me. Is everything good? Is everything quiet? Am I on my mower mowing? I'm joyful at that point. Is everything good in my life? Are those bills paid? Is there food in the house? Is my, are my relationships good? Is everything going according to my plan? And the moment that something happens that's opposite of those things, then my joy is taken away from me. The moment that something happens in the world that goes against what I think needs to happen, then my joy gets sucked out of me. If something happens that I can't control to begin with, but I don't like, gets removed or gets added, then my joy is taken away from me. Folks, if you find yourself in that place, if your mood is determined by what's going on around you or what's going on in this world, then your joy is anchored in the wrong things. First Peter gives us, chapter 1 especially, gives us a whole host of things about where is your hope. And I tell you that where your hope is, is where your joy is going to come from. 
If your source of hope is in Christ Jesus, then guess what? Your source of joy is rock solid. It's unshakable. It's unmovable. It's not going anywhere, and it's going to be there through eternity. But if your hope and your joy is found on things of this world and carnal things that are going to pass away, then your joy is going to be like the house that's built on the sand. And it's going to move, it's going to fall, it's going to shift with every wave, every wind, every bit of resistance that comes against it. Be joyful in God. Let's take a look at a couple of the scriptures here that are talked about being joyful in the Lord. I want to read this passage out of Habakkuk chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 3 through 16. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Next slide, please. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fell, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stall. So we're going to pause right there. Things aren't looking real good at this point, right? These first two verses have not been really good. Externally, everything around the nation is not good. Verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. When we have this internal source of joy, then things can go crazy bad around us. And I'm not saying that they won't affect you. Sure, they'll affect you. But if they rob you of your joy, then your joy and your hope is in the wrong place. Now listen, I hope that this is speaking to you because it's speaking to me this morning. Because I have so many external circumstances that so often, too often, take the place of God as to where my hope and where my joy lies. And that's usually revealed when those things are taken away. Or when those things are in jeopardy. You know, one of the things that Thomas and I talk about quite a bit is in the, in the midst of turmoil, we'll use turmoil or a difficult time, is when the things that we struggle with surface the most. That's when our dysfunction happens the most. And I'm going to give you a real practical example that all of us can relate to. How many in, in here of you, and I want to see hands this time, all right? have ever been accused of being hangry. Can I submit to you, just let me propose something to you here. Could it be that it's not hunger that's causing the problem, maybe it's hunger that's just letting the problem surface? If you get angry quickly when you're hungry, Maybe you don't have a problem with hunger. Maybe you've got a really pressed down problem with anger. If you get frustrated when you're hungry, maybe it's not so much a, a problem with being hungry. 
Maybe you've got this bad attitude. Just submitting that, just saying, just throwing it out there. Y'all do what you want to with it. But it's true for me, not just necessarily when I'm hungry. But it's when things aren't going the way that I think they should go. When circumstances are bad, when my situations are bad, when finances are bad, when relationships are bad, when, when Kim's wrong and we've gotten into an argument and I just cannot convince her that I'm right. She's out of the country right now, I can say. Although she will see this, so it'll just be delayed. Rejoice in the Lord. Would you bring 318 up there again for me, Austin? Yet I will rejoice. I, I love that tagline there. Yet I. Yet. Talking about all of these terrible things going on. But yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Last thing this morning that I think that we see is that we need to sing praise to God. Verse 2, I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. In the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verse 21, it says, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Just a little bit later in this chapter, in Psalm uh, chapter 9, verse 11, it says, Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. In Psalm chapter 47, 6 and 7, Sing praises to our God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is a King over all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. You, you hear us, at, at least me, I know I've said it maybe two, three times in the past couple years. There's a reason that I talk to you about being a congregational choir. Because what we do here is more than just singing, or at least it should be. At least it should be. We should be singing to the Lord, singing to the King, lifting up His name with our voices, singing to Him, praising Him, exalting, elevating, and glorifying Him. I love the songs that we did this morning. I absolutely love the songs. I, I, I love old hymns. Just a kind of an old hymns kind of guy. But you know what? I loved even more than the fact that they, than they were old hymns. I love the fact that they glorified God. And I know I've said this before, but you know, my, my number one priority as your pastor in what we sing up here and working with Kennedy working with, with our musicians and our vocalists who are here is not whether it's contemporary, not whether it's modern, not whether it's a traditional hymn, or if we have a good combination of all of them. Now, those things are great. But if they're not glorifying God, they've got no business here. If it's not bringing glory to God, then we don't need to be singing about it because we're doing more than just singing. We are singing praises to God. And that's why we encourage you, lift your voices. It may not sound good. 
may not sound good. I can say that because when I lift my voice to sing, it doesn't sound good. But you know what? I'm commanded to do it, and I'm singing to God, not singing to you. It's all right. Somebody's watching the Euro finals. It's okay. You can give me score updates after we're done. It's all right. Sing praises to God. Lift your voice to Him. So again, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you, and I will sing praise to your name, O Most High.